0: It's good to be with you, first Sunday of 2021. Yeah, come on. But uh, I'm pumped for today. My name's Brandon. If we've never met, I'd love to get to know you. But I'm excited about what God has in store today. Um, Because in the new year, uh, new years always create like excitement, right? Like you're excited about what God might do or excited about what's happening. You've set out goals. I talked to someone in the lobby earlier, they were excited to go get a new planner, not that kind of person, uh, but if you are, praise God, you can fill that thing up and maybe it will happen. I don't know. Planners, did they go out of business last year? I don't know. Anyways, uh, but we're, you, you create this excitement. You set out goals. You're like, I'm going to eat healthy, but New Year started on a weekend. That's kind of weird, so I'll start on Monday. Um, right? No, just me? Cool. Um, but we, we want... Excitement, right? We're we're hopeful for something to change. So the new year brings excitement, but it can also, especially coming out of 2021, can bring some uncertainty. See, for me, like I'm coming out of 2020 hoping for some some rest. Just a breather, right? Like I just want to be able to take a deep breath and hope for it to be different. And see, last week, Jared, uh, Jared said that if all of our goals don't begin and end with Jesus on the throne of our hearts, then they're pointless. If we don't begin and end, if the goal isn't Jesus and the end isn't Jesus, then it's pointless. My hope for 2021 is just that Jesus is bigger in my life. That's my hope for you. And that's where I want to go today today. So if all of our hopes and goals are not first with Christ in the beginning and Christ at the end, we need to reconsider what we're looking for. Maybe you're just kind of wandering in here because first, we want to start the year off well. My hope for you is that you leave today with a bigger view of God and a greater affection for God. So today, the goal is to get our eyes up. To get our eyes up, the 2020 has been a year where we've just kind of been defeated, right? And heads down. Let's get our eyes up. Hebrews 12 starts off with this. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of god this is what we we want to throw off everything that is weighing us down and look to jesus the goal of the christian life is to go to jesus to run to jesus to look to jesus because if you're not, if your head's down, you can't see where you're going. You can't see the hope you have. You can't see the joy. So let's get our heads up. We might feel defeated. We might feel worn out. But the goal today is to lift our eyes. So let's get our eyes up. Matthew 11 is where we're gonna camp out. So if you have your Bibles, go, with, go there with me. If you don't have a Bible I'd love to help you get one if you don't own one. But if not, it'll be on the screen. You can follow along, but it's awesome to be able to open and look at the word of God. So Matthew 11, starting in verse 25, it says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Jesus is just saying, I'm thankful that it doesn't have to be the elite. You don't have to be the smartest, brightest, have the deepest understanding of all things that you've revealed truth to little children. Simple, simple. 26 says, yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. He has all authority. It's all his, everything is Jesus. He's sovereign over it all. And no one knows the Son except the Father and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, I pray that as a room full, God, that you would reveal yourself You would meet us. You would show us greater truths of who you are. Holy Spirit, move and power. It's in your name we pray, amen. It's my goal today for you. If you're type A, my my three-step goal for you today is I wanna show you the heart of Jesus. I wanna show you the heart of Jesus. I wanna show you what that means for us. And then I wanna show you what our response should be. So if you're following along, that's that's where we're going. The heart of Jesus, what it means for us and our response. See, before this passage, before Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest because I'm gentle and lowly. Before that, he has pronounced woes upon all these different cities where he's done like mighty works, where he's done incredible things. He's pronouncing, he's like telling them, be careful, listen. I've done all these amazing things and you haven't repented. Last week, Pastor Jared, if you haven't listened to that message, go find it when you get home. But he talked about this idea of repentance. This is the daily, it's an active posture in the Christian's life. And Jesus is saying, listen, I did all these things and and you have not repented. He says, even if I would have done these things in Sodom, which is destroyed, right? They would still be there. And the warning for us is You can see God do incredible things, mind-blowing things and still not be with him. You can still choose you over him even though he can do incredible things. And so the goal today is we don't wanna just see God do things. We wanna be a part of doing things with God. We wanna be a part of his mission. We want to be with him. See, he follows this up with come to me. And then we get to see the heart of Jesus. Come to me for I am gentle and lowly. And you might be like, "Ah, whatever, that sounds cool. But this is amazing. And I want you to lean in with me for a little bit because this is the only place in the four gospels where we see Jesus express his heart. We see it acted out all throughout the gospels. We see it, it lived out his example of how he loves, but this is where Jesus says, no, I'm gentle. I'm lowly. We get a glimpse into who he is. And if he is God, then we should pay attention, right? If God is telling us his character, his essence, who he is, we should listen. He says, I'm gentle and lowly. He says, I'm meek. It's so what that word gentle means. I'm meek, I'm slow, he's gracious, he's understanding. And I think for some of us, we gotta deconstruct what we think about God because we've been told this by the world of who God is, this idea of God. And we, we come to God thinking that he's just angry, right? All dude with a white beard and sitting on his throne just waiting for us to mess up so he can strike us. Never been around someone that's done something dumb. You're like, I'll just move away so I don't get struck by lightning. We joke about it, but like a lot of us, that's how we view God. And Jesus says, no, no, I'm meek. I'm understanding. Come to me. He says, I'm gentle. I'm lowly in heart. I'm humble. If anyone has the right to be arrogant, it's God. If you speak things into existence, if you measure Isaiah 40 says he measures the heavens by the span of his hand that we are like a drop in a bucket compared to him grasshoppers is how it's compared in Isaiah 40 like no bragging rights compared to God and he says no I'm humble he is you have access to him he is approachable He's not a God that you have to earn your right to get to him. He says, no, I'm humble. You can come to me. Jesus is telling us, listen, you have to lean into this because this is massive. It changes how you view God, which changes everything about you. And if this is true, it changes everything. He's saying, I'm tender. I'm welcoming. I'm accommodating. I'm gracious. I'm open. I'm willing. This isn't a God that's just... Like, impress me, maybe you can do it. No, he's saying, come to me because this is who I am. This is my heart. This is who I am. And this is amazing. See, if Jesus had a website in his bio, it would read gentle and lowly in heart. His Instagram handle or under his Instagram handle in the bio, that's what it would say. I love what Dane Ortlund says. He says, the posture most natural to him, Jesus, is not a pointed finger, but open arms. The the posture that is most natural to Jesus is not him pointing his finger, being frustrated with you, it's come. When you think of the prodigal son, that's what the father does. He runs open arms to his son. And this is how Jesus views us in this invitation to come. See, and this is who Jesus is. This is not just a side characteristic. It's not just a a trait that he has. It is who he is. It's his essence, his being. It's the most inward part of him. And this is amazing news because it's who God is, who speaks things into existence, who has always been and always will be. This is who God is. See, a lot of us if we we just create this idea of who God is in the Old Testament, who God is in the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament is angry, frustrated, and just wrathful, and then the God of the New Testament is gracious, loving, and kind. But the reality is this idea of Jesus is throughout all of Scripture. This is who God is. And because he is gracious, kind, loving, slow to anger, he is, he has wrath. Just because, and we'll get into that. I'm jumping ahead of myself. This is amazing news. It's painted all over scripture. Exodus 34. I want to show you that all of scripture, this is who Jesus is. This is who God is. Exodus 34, 6 and 7 says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. This, I, this is who Jesus is. This is who God is. That he is Yahweh, the God that has always been, who is and will always be forever. This is who he is. He's merciful. He's gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. This is who God is. And this is, passage that god that this is who god says he is to moses is echoed all throughout the old testament nehemiah 9:17 says they refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them but you they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in egypt but you are a god listen they rejected him they moved away from him and he says but you are a god ready to forgive gracious merciful slow to anger abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake them. This is amazing news. Psalm eighty-six, fifteen. But you, O Lord, are a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Joel two, twelve and thirteen. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping, with mourning, rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Jonah 4.2, and he prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarsh, for I knew that you are gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. It's just this constant, it's like I just copied and pasted one verse, right? Because it's the theme. God is never changing. He is ever present. He is who he is. He doesn't change, we change. He is consistent. Our emotions waver and make us feel a certain way. God is the same. And he's saying, listen, I'm gentle. I'm humble. You can come to me. And this is amazing. And this has to be, we have to see this. We have to get our eyes up because this is the heart of God, the overflow of Jesus. What he overflows, who his life, what his life shows to the world is that he is gentle and lowly. See, he isn't a frustrated, finger pointing, wrathful God. He is a humble, gentle Gracious, welcoming, kind God. Does he have wrath? Absolutely. But he has wrath because he is loving. His essence is he's loving, gentle, and kind. And because of that, he is wrathful because he is deserving of all. Any attention or affection given anywhere else but God is misplaced. And because he's a holy, just God, he deserves all that we are. And we should be excited about that, because we're a messed- up people, right? I mean, we can be honest with ourselves. like no one in here is perfect. We all came in here with baggage. I have baggage. I've been struggling with this talk all week just because I'm like, I'm not like, what is, what is it that God would call me to do this? Because he's gentle and he's kind. And he uses the least of these to do amazing things. And he's calling you into this. So we have to change our mindset because when we see God rightly, why we're so adamant about this word, about this book, is because when we see God correctly, it changes everything about us. Your a, a correct theology is important for how you live your life. Theology isn't just for the, like, the people that wanna to go to seminary, the people on staff, it is for the Christian. We have to get how we view God correctly because it changes everything. And don't you wanna know this guy that says, come to me. This is who I am. You can come as you are. You don't have to be the smartest. You don't have to be the most put together. Come as you are because I am gentle. I will welcome you. You, can, you have full access to me. Come. This is amazing news. See, if we're not careful, we paint this God as he's unapproachable and disinterested with us. Like he, he just doesn't have time. Like what are they doing down there? And sometimes I'm like, what are we doing? But God's saying, come. Thomas Goodwin, who is an old theologian, Puritan back in the day, says men are apt to have contrary conceits of Christ. But he tells them his disposition there. By preventing such hard thoughts of him, to allure them unto him the more. We are apt to think that he, he, being so holy, is therefore a severe and sour disposition against sinners and not able to bear them. No, says he, I am meek. Gentleness is my nature and my temper. What Jesus is doing here is this. is He's saying, this is who I am. This is my temper. This, come to me. I am a holy God. I am unapproachable without Jesus coming. I am unapproachable by sinners, but I've made a way that you can come. You don't have to have this sour disposition of who he is or this idea of who he is. Come, this is who I am. Gentle, humble, meek, lowly, understanding, gracious, slow to anger. Praise God that he is slow to anger. Because if he wasn't, I wouldn't be here. He'd just be like, get out of here. And I feel like if you're honest with yourself, the same's true about you. But God is gracious. See what he's doing here in this passage in Matthew 11, come to me. He's pulling us into his heart. This is Jesus pulling us into a loving embrace, a big old bear hug, just smothering us into his chest. And see, if I'm honest, there's some of us in the room that that's hard to fathom because we don't have that kind of idea of a love of a father. Because you've never been pulled into an embrace, you've never been loved unconditionally. But this is Jesus showing us an unconditional love. You don't have to earn it, you don't deserve it, but he's pulling you into who he is. He's inviting us in. Look at 28, well, 27, real quick all things have been given to me. They've been handed, all of it's mine, all authority. He tells us in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. And he's saying, the Father's given me all authority. I am sovereign, I am in complete control. And then he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. We're coming out of 2020, which if we're honest, we feel worn out. We're exhausted half the days. We don't know which way's up or down. We don't know what's going on. We don't know, like, is the government going to fall apart? Is it not? Is it, like, am I going to get my money? Like, I don't, I don't have time for that. Are we going, all these things. 1045, I'm always a little bit more loose. And we're just worn out. Because it's been a tough year for everyone because of some of our our freedoms, our abilities to do things that we've always done have been taken. Some of us, death has affected our lives. Some of us, it's just been, we've lost our job or whatever it is, it's been a hard year and our posture has gone from Jesus, you're good to I can't do this and we put our head down and Jesus is trying to pull your head up and say, come to me you're broken, you're tired, you're weary, you're upset, you're frustrated, come to me because I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. This idea of a yoke, uh, a piece of wood they would have placed on oxen or cattle or whatever to move and do things, to move them around. And he's saying, take my yoke, which is interesting because he's not freeing you have to do what you want, but to move in his mission. And this is amazing news. And he says that his yoke, and his, the yoke is easy and the burden is light, that you're still gonna be moved for God's mission, but it's easy and it takes the burden off of you. We need a desperate, we have a desperate need for rest, a break to get a breather, And see, we're looking for it in all the wrong places. We're we're looking for our spouse to be the answer to giving us rest. If they would just be this way or they would just do this or they would act like this, if they would stop annoying me about this, I'll get to it then, then I would just have some rest. If if my job would just give me that raise that I need or they would just like appreciate me, I, I could rest. If I didn't feel like I had to earn their affection or their attention, I could just rest. If my doctor would just give me this or my therapist would just say this or my hobby would just fulfill this or the government would just get it together, then I could rest. But the reality is all that is placed in the yoke on you or someone else that can't hold it. And you have to be, let it be placed all from Jesus on you. See, we place this yoke on ourselves to perform or to think harder, to be better, or think we can impress God, and, and we would be loved deeper by God if we could just be better. We place it on others to do it for us, to have more faith for us. We have to see that Jesus is the only answer. He's saying his yoke, his guidance is comforting. That's not a burden. That's not something to resent. It's not, it's not that you are begrudgingly submitting to him. It's a joyful submitting because when he leads us, when he's guiding us, when he places his, his yoke on us, his uh, leading us into obedience is what brings comfort to your soul because you're no longer trusting in your ability, you're trusting in his ability and what he's done for you and inviting you in to his presence I love that in the Old Testament echoes this language in Hosea 11 verse 4. It says, I led them with cords of kindness, with bands of love. And I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down to them and fed them. Listen to the heart of the Father. I led them with kindness, with love. I became to them one that takes the burden off of them. And I provided for them this is true for you, no matter what you walked into this room with, no matter what 2020 held for you, no matter what 2021 holds for you, no matter what eternity, like this is who God is. And he's inviting you in, he's inviting you in to his heart. See, here's the argument of why you can't do it yourself. Because you can't loosen the pressure of your life, you can't be better, you can't impress God to make him love you more. There's nothing that you can do. But you're like, Brandon, that's not comforting. That sounds hopeless, but it's the most secure place because if it's on us, it's going to fail. How many of us have already failed in our resolutions for 2021? It's the third. (laughs) We are a people that don't get it right. I'm not saying just here, human, like the humankind has never got it right for very long. And if you put the pressure on you to look a certain way, act a certain way, give enough, serve enough, do enough, it will fail you. Jesus is saying, come to me. I can do it. I've done it. I'm your comfort. I'm your peace. I'm gonna understand. I know what you've done. I know what you've thought. I know who you are. He's not surprised by any of us. There's nothing you've done that surprises God. And that terrifies some of us, but that's comforting because he still loves us. Romans says that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died. That before you ever sinned, because all of our sins were future sins when Jesus went to the cross and he still went. And that's good news. See, we gotta put it, we gotta look to Jesus because he's perfect. He's the standard. And when we let him loosen the pressure by placing the weight on him and allowing him to guide us, life just makes more sense. I'm not saying it's gonna be easy. Jesus is not wealth, prosperity. It's not you believe more, love him more, and everything's good for you. It actually goes really bad for, most of the, for everyone in the Bible. All the disciples, bad. But, it was worth it because the joy set before him. So the same is true for us. So what is the response? Because the heart of Christ is he's gentle, he's humble, he's understanding, he's gracious, he's kind, he's steadfast, he's slow to anger. He's moving towards us with open arms. What this means for us is we get rest for our souls, the inward part of us. Not a lazy, apathetic, not doing anything rest like vacation, you lay on the beach, you don't do anything kind of rest. No, no, it's an active rest. He put the yoke on you. He's doing something with you, but it's restful. This is not, Christianity is not just slide by and hope you get in because you gave your life to the Lord. It's a moving. So what's our response? Well, if this is true, if this is who God is, it changes everything. It changes everything about us. If he's loving, if he's gracious, if he's kind, if he's calling us into, his, into who he is and to be a part of his mission, it changes everything. And I want you to look at Philippians 2. 5 through 11 it says this, it Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, So that in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is our response. If Jesus took on flesh, if he humbled himself, stepped out of heaven, took the most humble form and put on flesh and was born a baby and lived a servant life and then died your death and my death so that we could know him, it changes everything. You can't sit idly by if that's true of God. You can't not be amazed if that's true of God. It can't be like, oh, that's cool. It's gotta be amazing. It should leave you awestruck that, that the God who is above all, has a name above, every knee will worship him whether they do now or in eternity. Every name, name and every knee will bow. And if that's true, it should change everything about us. Our affections, our mindset should change and it leads us into worship. So our response as we move towards him, And towards others. We move towards him in worship. We move towards him in prayer and community and our affections for him. We start every day by saying, Jesus, I choose you. You will be my satisfaction. You will be my joy. You will be where I look to. And as we do that, we can't help but tell It will naturally permeate out of you if this is who you are in Christ. If you've been embraced by God, you want others to be embraced because it's the most comforting place. Because listen, if this isn't true, what are we doing? Like, you can have a better hobby, you could sleep in. You could spend your money, you could give elsewhere. You could spend your time elsewhere. You could do other things. What are we doing if this isn't true? And do our lives reflect that it's true? Are we looking at ourselves? Or are we looking to Jesus? Are we seeing that He's inviting us in, that He's gentle and humble and loving and kind and He wants more for us? Or are we just playing the game? Because if it's true, our response will be to worship him because he's deserving, he's worthy. There's nowhere else our praise should be sent. It should be sent to him. We shouldn't get excited about, I'm not saying, listen, common grace, praise God for football, praise God for sports, praise God for other things we get excited about, but we shouldn't get more excited about that. We should get more excited about Jesus. He's guiding us. It's not laziness. He's not letting you just coast by. He's put you in the game. Be a part of it. Be excited that you get to worship God, that he chose you. That It says that he, the son, to whomever the son chooses to reveal the son, Jesus, God in the flesh, has chose to reveal who he is to us that the Trinity could have been in eternity and in heaven forever and never needed us, but has chose to reveal himself to us that we would be a part of it. Come, embrace this. So as we close, maybe you're in here and you've been playing the game. And I know what it's like to play the game. I grew up here. I grew up at this church, played the game for a long time. And when I was almost 19, it was just like, God wrecked me, sitting right over there. And I was too ashamed to move, because like, what if they, what do they think about me? What if they know I've been playing the game? And I want to hear me. We want to reflect the heart of Jesus. We won't judge, we'll celebrate. And maybe you're in here and you've just You've grown, because of 2020, you've just grown apathetic. Today, maybe is a day that you need to repent and get in the game and chase after him because this is his heart for you. Come, I'll give you rest. You'll find joy here. It's not begrudging, it's joyful submission. Maybe you've never given your life to the Lord, ever. Like you're new to this and you're like, man, I don't know why, but I just feel God calling me. I will invite you. There's nothing magical about this place, but the altar, there's something symbolic about moving. If you need to move, we don't wanna invite you to move. I'll be right up here, you can talk to me. But we love you, and God loves you. So may we move closer to him. So Father, we thank you, God, that you're a God that loves, and you're a God that's gracious, and you're a God that's kind, and it doesn't ever make sense, but it's true. And God, when we don't have words, And we don't know what to say, God. We're just gonna trust you. God, I'm thankful for who you are. I'm thankful for what you've done. I'm thankful that this is your heart. This is who you are, God. So whatever disposition we came in here with and what we thought about you, God, would you, Holy Spirit, reveal truth to us, speak to us, change us, God, may we worship you because you're deserving and you've awakened a dead heart to life. May we blow the roof off this place because you're deserving of us, shouting your name. You're worthy of it. But God, if someone in here needs to be saved, God, I pray that you would save them, Holy Spirit. So we worship you. It's in your name we pray.